This is Joseph Gervasi. I am here with Adam Gorin of Adam and His Package at Fracture and several other bands. Uh, today is March 21st, 2013. Uh, this is being recorded at my house, and this is part of Loud Fast Philly. Hello, Adam. <laughs> Hello, Joseph. Uh, so tell me about when you were a baby. What year were you born and where? I was born in 1975. And from what I'm told, I don't, I can't verify it, uh, in the Bronx, New York. Okay. I believe from my mom and... Born from your mom? I believe so. <laughs> All right. Uh, so when did you wind up coming to here, to Philadelphia? I, I mean, my parents moved, um, we lived in Bethesda for... Maryland? I think, yeah, for like, because my dad worked at the... Naval Hospital there, and then, but we moved to the house where they continue to live, and I live like a mile and a half from now. Um, I think I was like two when okay. we moved, so I, I essentially grew up in the suburbs northwest of Philadelphia. Okay, tell me about little Adam prior to discovering punk. What were you into? What was you, what were you like? Um, I was way into baseball statistics. I I don't recall actually enjoying playing baseball or t-ball or whatever was sort of the age-appropriate game, um, but I remembered loving statistics. I played like this uh, game called Stratomatic Baseball, which was like each player had a card, which depending on whatever they had done that season, you roll dice. It was sort of like... Maybe a little bit less nerdy than D&D, but there were definitely 20-sided dies involved. <laughs> right. And uh, made-up teams with, about which I would keep detailed statistics for games that didn't really do anything. But um, and I, had, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Um, and um, I, think that, I think that I always liked to laugh, and I think that that continues to this day, that that's something that, um, I think that if I don't laugh enough, I think I don't feel that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, so I loved that for, for a little while, and that, but, I, but I also think at some point, um, I think probably when I got like my first sort of radio or stereo type thing, where I could choose to play music, that listening to like, the pop station, which I think at that point was like Mm -hmm. 98.1 WCAU, like, and that was like the 80s, so like, I remember hearing songs and just loving it. I remember on New Year's Eve, every year, like, they would count down the 100 songs of the year, and I would listen to the entire thing and write them down and like, yeah, I don't know, I mean, I don't know what what that implies, but like, but I, I mean... There was something about music that really, you know, did, are you ready for this pun, resonate with me? <laughs> but I mean, like, that, that, you know, and I'm sure that's that's not uncommon, but it, it, you know, whether it was, like, the Beatles that my parents played me, and they are not, like, rockers. My dad loves opera and classical music, but I think he has a similar sort of, like, I don't know if, the, if it's defect or whatever it is of being like a music lover and we don't love the same music but like we we both we can talk about like how 
it's so fun to like hunt down and find something that you love and you're like, yeah, I love the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's that. So I guess that's what I was sort of like as a, as a kid. Right. I was very little too. So, um, I was in a, a grade where most of the kids were much older and bigger, not much older. I'm not like I was Doogie Howser, but like, um, but I was, I was a small kid and, and the, the kids that I met, like, in first grade, um, you know, are some of my closest friends to this day, and somehow, and I feel so fortunate that, like, I, I have no doubt that this changed sort of, like, the trajectory of my life, and, like, what, um, type of person I ended up becoming, and, like, the, I, I feel so lucky that I made, like, this group of, like, I made friends with, just some really, really fantastic people. And we all somehow had that connection of music. Not then, not at that point, but, like, as we grew up, we all sort of, you know, fell in love with punk rock. And, and um, you know, and, and a bunch of us ended up playing in bands and sort of, like, this revolving kind of, like, uh, you know, characters of different bands and breaking up and being in different bands with slightly different people. Like, but... Um, there's a core group of us that, that and really... And this goes back all the way back to the first Yeah, grade, like Brian Sokol, yeah. Greg Giuliano, they both ended up playing in Franklin. Um, I've been friends with them since first grade. Like Chris O'Neill, yeah. the singer of, of Fracture, we met in first grade. And, and all of us were, um, you know, really, really close. And it's, it's amazing that, like, we, we sort of, like, you know, obviously in first grade, you don't care about punk rock. You know, you don't know anything and um but yeah but there was that connection and i just feel so incredibly fortunate i wish like for my kids that there was some way that i that i could sort of like steer them in a direction to like make sure that they find their people you know that Mm -hmm. like what else do you want for your kids except to like be happy or like be good humans which I, i feel like you know they're good humans at this point and um there's of course bias there, but like, but um, you know, you want people to to find the people who they're comfortable with, you know, mm-hmm. and and people who they can 100% sort of like stand behind and like, you know, I don't know, just like those connections of people, and I just feel incredibly fortunate to have made that and lucked out and just met those particular people because it it's 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 a treasure yeah it seems very rare to me because even people that i knew in high school i only know them now as people who want to be my friend on facebook whom i ignore right so Uh going back to first grade yeah yeah i know it's like i I think of like you know brian and greg and it's like i have been friends with them for like 30 some years which is it's just insane it's almost your entire life yeah and i was and i was talking to and you know and i don't i you know feel free to be like i don't care about like sappy children's stuff but like you know i was talking to um to ruby my daughter that that sounded like that came very slowly but i do know her name um and we i forget we were looking at like a map or something or maybe we were talking about somewhere like a state that i had been to and 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 i was talking about oh yeah you know i went there on tour like with um you know she's like well what like is that is that good? Like driving on, I was just like, it is the best thing in the world to travel with like your group of your best friends, like 
what else, what what could be better than that? There like, truly is nothing. It, 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 yeah, it yeah. is fantastic, and like just this feeling of like, you know, sort of, you know, I mean, I felt like for us, we were privileged enough that like we, it had that nice feeling of like it's us against the world because we were you know a bunch of seventeen year old kids driving around the country in like crappy vans, yeah. but at the same time, like it was, you know, I think that we we were privileged enough to come from. It it wasn't like threatening where I feel like like that you know, a trip could be if you're just like dumb seventeen year olds like we were and But there was um, a there was a point to the trip. Like you had to right. go from A to B to C. Sure, sure, so sure. You couldn't really kind of like wander off into the you know, the threat. Right, but at the like, same time I can't say that we made the best decisions that I would think like you know, that you'd kind of wanna make sure people do so so yeah, but there's but I was just trying to explain her. I was like, oh, there's nothing there's nothing better than that. Like how how fun is that to like be able to spend a ton of time like with your best friends and just drive and do and play a show and like it really didn't matter like if the shows stunk, which most of them did. Like it didn't matter. Like we had a blast and like whatever problems happened, like whether it's you know like car maintenance problems, like or whatever, like. You just like figuring that out is is a really cool thing to do as like a seventeen year old with your friends and like places where you have no business being. Yeah, I mean we might be getting a little yeah, yeah. ourselves with this. Sure. But 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 I would say that like I suppose that's part of the, the DIY ethos is that you're you're out there, you're doing these things and you're kind of dealing directly with all of the little facets of mm-hmm. making this work and then, you know, like you're saying, this kind of like a lesson that you learn to kind of take forward in life. Mm-hmm. But maybe we should go okay. back away sure, from sure, sure. kind of moving that. So at some point the seed uh, of punk mm-hmm. is, is planted in your head, which I imagine is a fairly cataclysmic event or at least, you know, it certainly seems to be a life changing thing. How did that happen? Um, you know, I, I don't... I mean, I, I guess I feel like there, there are a couple different answers to that. I mean, I, like, I know like the first... The sort of first exposure I had to punk was the older brother of a friend who lived across the street. Um, and I think that there was something about hearing, like, The Clash and, or, like, Public Image... Like, there was definitely sort of a weird... Um order with which like so i definitely heard public image limited before i heard the sex pistols like you know and there's there's always certain things like that like i have definitely heard and it it went weird like i definitely heard like uh rorschach's version of my war before the black flag version you know like all these things where you're just like well that doesn't make any sense but um uh so I think that, like, in hearing the music, like, I think that I had a genuine affinity to the music before having any idea, like, what, whether it was, like, lyrical things that were that were being, or even sort of, like, the, the context of what punk was at that point. I think that, I think that there's part of it that, like, that could be totally divorced from whatever The Clash or The Ramones or whatever are doing. Like, there's something about that music um, that just feels good when I hear it and that, mm-hmm. that I like. Um, so I, I think that probably, and that was probably like sixth, seventh grade that I had heard those bands and just kind of liked them. Um, but then I think that probably in high school, I, as sort of, at least for me, like the angst sort of 
kicked in. Like I went to, so I went to public school where I met Brian and Greg and, and Chris. Um, but then in, after fourth grade, uh, I went to a private school here in East Falls. Um, and, uh, it was very sort of like the sort of type of kids that were sort of, it was, it had been an all-boys school. I was in the first co-ed class, but it was very, like, I mean, quite honestly, like, most of my classmates were, like, completely racist, like, just a, it was, it was just not, it was not for me, like, it was not. Were they largely uh, children of affluence? Yeah, I think, and I would, I would probably consider, I mean, like, I consider myself, like, to be such a privileged, lucky human, not just in terms of, like, nice people who I grew up around, but, like, I don't know. I don't feel like I had. I've had to worry about a ton of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a private school where the tuition was whatever. Um, and and I, I don't think that that nece- that necessarily made the my peers at that time like people who I didn't like because I think that even in public school, like my friends felt the similar sort of like that angst stuff. And I don't know how much of it is just sort of like biological in nature of being a teenager mm-hmm. and being sort of like a certain type of, of kid, but whatever I felt, I felt it like after like seventh grade, I had very, very little friends in the school that in which I, you know, attended and spent most of my time. Like luckily I sort of met back up with my friends in, you know, in the neighborhood in which I grew up in. Um, and, I think, and, and they had already sort of started to be in punk bands that would play in basins. Like, I have pictures from shows that are in, like, our friends, you know, across the streets, like, basements, playing, we would just play for each other, even though we we had the sort of, like, notion that that was a show, even though it was, it was I mean, it was just the for the other six people who were then in the band that would play next, right. you know? But and, you probably played shows that had that many people... Anyway, like real, <laughs> sure. quote, Good real point. shows. Yeah. yeah, right, 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 right. Definitely. The um, West. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, and I think meeting back up with the... I think that... So there was a part of me that I think was, like, kind of angry. But also, you know, I mean, I'm not a, a brilliant person by any... But, like, I, you know, we were, we're smart people. Like, we're people who think about stuff. And I think that a lot of people don't. And... Um, and so I think that there was something that, that that really attracted me to punk, I think, when I heard, like, the minor threat. Not to say that, like, the Misfits are a particularly, like, thinking band, you know, uh, thing. Especially, you know, having read some of it, I'm like, wow, that's an interesting thing to say. Um, but uh, um, I think that, I think that there's, that there, that I guess to sort of, like, put it bluntly was, like, that you could be smart and I guess what I would consider like nice and good, but still be angry about stuff and mm-hmm. still be, um, you know, and, and I guess like part of me, like in thinking back on it feels a little, it's like, eh, kind of like at least thinking of my own case and thinking of it as like, eh, it's just kind of like teenage angst, like being like, I'm mad at stuff. Like no one can tell me what to do, you know? And so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it doesn't feel like it was cataclysmic. I guess it felt like it felt good, you know, again for me that it felt like 
it felt really, really reassuring, sort of being in an isolated situation where every day I was going to school and like just didn't connect with people and um, you know probably felt lonely. But then knowing like that outside of school that I had these connections with people who I genuinely like loved and music that I genuinely loved and knowing that. And I, and, I, and I remember, and I'm not sure if this is skipping ahead too much, but like the first sort of Cabbage Collective shows that I attended and sort of, it was just such a nice feeling of reassurance that it was like, oh, phew, there are, there are other people who are like, you know, nice and smart and thoughtful and funny. And, um, and that, that was something that was really, really reassuring about that and, and aren't just like, dumb bonehead jackasses and that's um i don't know i mean i, I think that the, that when you find people like that it's 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 really nice but then when you find a bunch of people like that who are doing stuff and are productive and are, like that's that's special that's that's something that doesn't happen often i think i mean if you think just like uh yeah i guess i, I just that's just something that's rare and i think that that is something to treasure mm-hmm yeah, because I imagine that there's sort of concurrent veins where there's the people who are kind of, you know, somewhat more sensitive and funny and, and you know, uh, amusing uh, and friendly. And then this, you know, other vein of, of the boneheads. And they're kind of moving. I mean, they're maybe listening to some of the same bands and going to the same events. Sure. But yet they seem to be, well, parallel, kind of completely. There's a vast difference or a gap between them. Right. And, 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 and I guess, yeah, I guess, like, it's sort of, like, self-selecting that, like, you know, the people who I sort of surrounded myself with and spent time with were people I liked, which I guess makes sense. But yeah. but I guess it was nice to know that there was a, a space of that. Like, of course, like, it's not like it was like, everybody loves each other and because, yeah, you know, anytime you have a large a gaggle of people, there are going to be some that stink, regardless of whether it's in a cool punk venue, you know? Yeah. So were the Cabbage shows the first that you started going to in Philly, or were there other shows... Um... In Philadelphia, um, I think that the first couple that we had went to, like Brian, um, we'd started sort of like a record label thing. Like like Brian had started at first with Greg, um, but then it sort of like became more collectively run. I think as we sort of started to find out more. I mean, like in any sort of process that you're learning stuff, you kind of get better or at least more knowledgeable about how how to do stuff. What was the label called? It was called Elbowhead. E-L-B-O. Mm-hmm. Um, head. And uh, so uh, Brian essentially ran it um, and put out like the 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 Random Children Mad Planets split. The Random Children was like uh, Ralph and Brian and... Um, Greg and this guy who we also went to, to school with named TJ. And I think meeting Ralph, who lived in Mount Airy, um, you know, and it, you know Ralph, like, is... You might want prob- to say something. To be oh, honest. so Ralph Ralph was this, this singer of the Random Children. We all lived out in the suburbs, and Ralph lived in Mount Airy, which is essentially five minutes or eight minutes from the suburbs, but was downtown. And Ralph also happens to be, like... An incredible extrovert and affable guy who knew a ton of people in the city, like, just, like, was more worldly when it came to, you know, punk and punk music and, like, 
So, so I think like sort of becoming friends with him, and I'm not entirely sure how Brian and Greg. Was he a couple years older, or was he? he no, he was about the same age, but like sort of seemed like I think that when you're from the suburbs, you're like, whoa, that person lives in the city. They know what's yeah. up, like, yeah. um, and so I think that he sort of began to kind of introduce us to stuff downtown, and and I think, but Brian, I think like he started booking like. Shows at at uh, like at J C Dobbs and just sort of like matinee things, um, and I think sometimes it was just like localish bands. Like we just sort of started to meet people. There was and it was a pretty wide range of of different types of bands. Like there was a band Invid from Philadelphia that was like totally like metal. Yeah, they were like a metal, metal yeah, punkish yeah. band. But like um, and. So I think Brian, through doing the label and like and doing, and Brian also always loved like DC bands, and I think like looked to Discord as like a model not only of just like how do you like run a label, and um, but I think that that the approachability of those folks, um, you know, made, and I think that that's also another thing that's attractive about like or was attractive to to us as young kids that like the the people and even like the the elders or like the peers who knew better like it always felt like it was approachable that it was like possible to have a conversation like with you know you know whether it's like like i mean brian called up circus lupus who was like a band who had a real record and like was really awesome and um you know set up a show for that and like that that sort of approachability of being able to Talk to people who, you know, who I think in in most kind of cases would probably be like, out of, out of, and I'm trying to think of like a sort of a comparison, like of what it is. But I would think that most things like that are are kind of like out of your league yeah, you when you're a beginner. A yeah, steps to reach the yeah, I think it's very unique to punk that there's there's not a middleman. There's not a right. You don't have to kind of go through a bunch of hoops to eventually get to you know, the prize. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, and that and that's that's. That's awesome, um, and I and I, I wish I could say that I didn't sort of like exploit that at some points, and not not exploit, but like take advantage of it and just be a a jerk. I remember, yeah, just like yeah, just being a smarty pants and like you know, me crank phone calling Ian McKay. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, not like prank phone, but I remember like. Once calling and we for some reason like we were we were stupid but like but I remember we were like oh it would be so cool to set up like a surprise show for Fugazi at J C Dobbs and uh, you know it'd be great to uh, you know we'll ask them if they want to play a secret show and it'll just be like get the word but that would be great wouldn't they like that you know and it's like what <laughs> it's a little embarrassing like that? Now, yeah. yeah and it's just like just you know just being a, a someone who like. I guess when you're in that situation where it is that accessible, that there are times where you don't. It would be pretty amazing for you. If yeah, it did. exactly. It probably wouldn't be as amazing for them. Exactly. And I remember, like, we called them, and they were just like, I, uh, "No, you know." And it's just like, "Well, of course not." Like, why would why would they? We have, we'd love to play a show where nobody knows that the show is happening, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. oh, that's embarrassing. It, I think it is kind of, in a more positive way, I think it's kind of unique to punk that it, it operates in some parts of it, like as an actual meritocracy. Like if you can do a show and you can, you know, 
flower mm. for it and pay the band. It doesn't really make a difference if you're 16 years old um, because you have proven that you can do the thing and therefore you can be taken seriously. And I don't think that there's a lot of other parts in the world where a young person can go out and actually do something and get recognition for it and continue on. Sure. And, and I mean, I guess for me, like, the disclaimer is, you know, like, I am by no means an authority on... On a on all, I would say right now I'm I'm knowledgeable about music of stuff that I love, but like I, you know, I guess like what it just just to sort of um, like what what my perspective is is really like it's it's thinking backwards to you know the things that I that I did or was a part of or like um, invested in for whatever reason as like someone who was fan of the music or whatever that I I can't speak to like the like the validity of that now or even at that point like I feel like I you know whatever I can tell you about my experience and my thoughts and my love of that kind of stuff but I I can't say for sure like you know I don't know how much of a meritocracy it really is like I mean I guess I, I feel like it's you know, it's it's very easy for it to become a club, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. I think that it, it can be mm-hmm. a maritime. It isn't always. Sure. It's certainly be really cliquish, and, and I'm sure that there's certain parts where that it doesn't really work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose compared to some other things that young people can move through, sure. there, I think there's a, perhaps a better chance that sure. an individual who wants to do something is kind of, because of the, because of the ethos that is a big part of the right. thing, it's kind of fostered, uh, yeah. You know, and, and and rather than being told that um, you know you're there to, to buy this thing, mm-hmm. and then you just watch this thing, right? And then we, you know, instead of saying you should be doing something in here, um, right? Yeah. yeah, I guess I, I guess I, I just like when I hear myself talk, and I'm like, oh, well, am I just sort of like, uh, just like looking? What is the, I forget what the expression is, but looking through rose-colored glass, like yeah, back on the past, glasses, like yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but then, but then again, like I, I think of the examples where I, I don't, I where I'm like, no, no, no. There is something really, really special about it. Well, like, you were surrounded by young people, and you were a young person, and all of you were active in doing things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I suppose in contrast, one could be just like just sort of passively sitting through stuff. Right. But, I mean, all of you were kind of doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think stuff, even even if it seems silly to some people, is, is really, you know, it affects lots of little yeah. people around you and kind of affects you moving forward. Uh-huh. Uh, but, anyway. So, uh, so when, <clears throat> when do you start to play in bands? You know, were you uh, playing? I think, in, I think in, like, ninth grade or tenth grade, I when I reconnected sort of with my... Um, with Brian and Greg and all those guys, and I think that they're, they're the sort of um, there were some more kids who had sort of like become kind of part of the, the sort of like punkish kind of group. And that like Dan Goldberg was a um, you know a guy who went to their high school who played guitar in a you know a bunch of bands, and it really was sort of like this uh revolving door like this cast of characters of all the same sort of people but it seemed like every once in a while someone would get mad at someone else so that band would break up and then they would reconstitute themselves without that person and then like you know so there were a bunch of different bands and um 
so so yeah, I was playing in bands and we were writing songs and generally it always seemed to end up uh like practices ended up like with covering No Sleep Till Brooklyn or like Pat Brown <laughs> Vandals or something. But and I, I think that like the big sort of like shows were whether it was like the Battle of the Bands at the high school or um and I guess this this probably yeah, this definitely precedes sort of like the reaching out towards downtown and um doing shows there. But I think like the first like sort of you know, band that was probably had any sort of longevity that I was in was in Fracture, which was probably like tenth and eleventh and twelfth grade up through college. Um and yeah, so I started I guess that was there were other bands that had really uh, terrible names, mm-hmm. um, but Fracture was the first like significant yes. band, right? I, yeah, ultimately, I, you know, wound up playing and sure, 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 sure. Uh, so the Fracture wound up touring. Yes, we um, we toured with Franklin twice. Like we did, and yeah, so we played a couple. You know, we played a handful of sort of like Philadelphia and Philadelphia area shows, and then the summer of I guess nineteen ninety three. Yeah, 1993, we booked a U.S. tour, and like, God damn it, we were gonna tour. Like, and so, so let me interrupt you for a yeah. second. So, in the pre-internet age, uh-huh. um, what were you using to tour? I mean, how how were you going we about? We had a one of those copies of a Book Your Own Life, like a you know Maximum Rock and Roll every year would put out this updated, like basically like dictionary of people who did shows and whatever, and like I mean the people who did shows, it would range from, like, someone who had no idea, had nothing to do with punk, but, like, somehow, I don't know how their address and number Well, I guess I mean, people could submit whatever right, they right, right, So, right. really, you could just, like, I am now promoted yep. because I sent totally, a Totally, totally. So, like, essentially, and, yeah, and this was where it's still when you, like, paid for long distance. So, like, Roy had a tone dialer thing. So, Roy played bass in Franklin at this point. And Roy and I spent, like... Countless hours, like on payphones, calling. You should explain people. Um, to people who will have no idea what a tone dialer is in 2013. Right, like what? And is what, this what, incriminating, though? Does this get someone fired you're, you're, from no. a teaching position at a prestigious school? Now you were not using this. Thing. No, now it's out of the statute I, of limitations. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, that's but that's how my brain works. <laughs> it's horrible. Did, do we not want to talk about no. your early, former illegal activities? I told no. you I wouldn't talk about the heroin. <laughs> That was a joke. That was a joke. Um, so yeah, so it was. It was basically like a, um, it was like a telephone keypad that I guess if you soldered in some sound crystal, whatever the hell that is, I have no idea what a sound crystal is. Um, it's kind of like one of those tie crystals, like the deodorant crystals, you know, that like last for three years. You don't have to put it on once. Um, so, and it would make the tone that if you held it up at the right time and pressed the button it would tell the payphone that you had put in a quarter when in fact you had not and so these were hypothetically used by two uh young people for a long time calling in something that that is sort of like and it's so neat about like the sort of like range of characters who are involved when I think back on it. It's like Roy and I are totally like intense um I guess persistent is really, really good. So like 
I would have no problem calling Ubaldo in Long Beach, California, because it said that he booked shows. So I will, I will, <laughs> goddamn it, find you, and I will call you. You know, every night from May fifteenth until you know until you submit and, and book say at he least sent, say he you're sent the entry in. So yeah. yeah so and like so so it was like you know and making demo. Tape, so I guess by that point we had recorded a, like two seven inches that had been out, but no, you know, no one cared, like, no one knew who we were, we never played anywhere. Um, and uh, so we would, we you know, would send out cassettes, so like it was really like an ordeal to, to do the thing to get to, and like basically just looking at a map and just sort of doing it and just being persistent and persistent and and. Well, the good news is that you know that when you actually get to that show, you're going to get $35 for this performance. So I remember on our first tour, the the best paid we got for a show, and this was Franklin and Fracture going together. We had two different vans, <laughs> and um, but even like even the the process of like doing that and like spending that time with Roy on like a payphone at Tyler, you know, college campus, and just like. Doing that with our time, like we just all like that is really fun for some reason. As like a t- like now, of course, I don't want to spend three hours on the telephone a night. Like, but I guess just like in that context, like even like mundane things like that, or mundane things like building our practice space in a garage and going up to like. A, a hatchery to get egg crating because we heard that that was like well you were keeping baseball set. stats for many years so like the, I imagine yeah. that like process right you know, the intricacies of process are kind of really uh, important to you yeah apparently uh, yeah and I I mean it, yeah and, which is and, good because if it wasn't then you would have a really shitty time sure 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 but and like it uh so so yeah so we booked the show but on that first tour like um the we. We'd heard that there was a show, like, we, we got a flat tire, so we missed the show. We didn't play from, like, uh, wait, where was it? We, I think we played in Chicago, and then we're going to play in Kansas City, but, like, blew a tire. Couldn't get another show until it was supposed to be, like, Salt Lake City, which is really far. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. but, but we had heard, somehow, that there was a show in Denver... That the guy from Angel Hair was setting up. So we basically just like showed up at this show and we're just like, can we play? We're from Philadelphia. And like, you know, again, there's that sort of accessibility where, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it works out for everybody. And they were like, yeah, you know, the last band that was playing was like Christy Front Drive. Mm-hmm. Like, they were like, oh yeah, we'll stop early. You guys can play for a couple people. And so Fracture and Franklin each played like three songs each and. We got paid fifty bucks, and we were just like, "Can you believe we got that, that 50 was the best?" Bucks? And that was the best show, and wow. it was one that we weren't even supposed to play at all. That we basically just like barged into. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. So there are others that weren't as lucrative as that, but you know, again, like it, we we loved it. So yeah, I mean, I guess just getting out. Yeah, getting out on your own you know, for a young person, no matter how annoying. I mean, as as a cranky old adult who's kind of accustomed to living in a certain way, you're probably not going to want to sleep on some dude's floor. But you know, yeah, I mean, that yeah. never bothered me, and and that 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 was also something that was really cool. And that as I sort of like traveled more and toured more, and like you know, it became easier because you weren't sort of just like picking randomly out of a 
group of names, but like, you know, you would make connections because, not connections in like a gross, sleazy, networky way, but like, you'd make friends that you would get to see every, you know, once or twice a year or, you know, more when their band would come through town and, um, you know, that, that made it easier, but it also like, that's something that I really enjoyed of it, especially later when I was sort of traveling a lot more frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this kind of establishes network of friends. Yeah. Um, and how awesome is that? Like, as a as a 17 or 18-year-old kid to, like... I mean, we live in a really big country that is really, really, you know, has a diverse sort of, like... I mean, going to the Southwest for the first time as, like, a 17 or 18-year-old with, like, your friend's seeing like what looks like a totally different planet yeah, yeah, right, yeah. and i remember like driving we had to drive through the night because our the vans that we had like the coolant didn't it didn't work well enough right. so that we could have driven through the desert in the day and i remember driving from los angeles to phoenix overnight and it being 97 degrees out and we're walking there and like the heat is going up and we're just like oh my god <laughs> like we went at the dead of night so that we could make it and yeah. Just like and, and then waking up and seeing like that it looks like a completely different planet, yeah, like a moonscape like, or something. Yeah, yeah, and how cool! I mean, I don't know. Like th- those are the kind of like experiences and like things that you, you know, that you wish everyone could have. It's really neat. Yeah, I don't know that other parts of society have that kind of friendly network of yeah. people. You know, that you know you're going to meet people on the other end who share at least some of your values, right. sure, and are welcoming. Like I will make you a giant pot of spaghetti, sure, and you may sleep on my couch, sure. And, you know, there, like, there's a finite number yeah. of other totally facets of society that really kind of offer that sort of thing. Totally, and sometimes you know, and and sometimes those connections are like, well, this is awesome, and we totally connect, and we're just meeting each other. And sometimes it totally is weird, and like you're just like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, those are again, like, I just feel incredibly fortunate to have like lucked into, you know, the the immediate sort of like uh, network of people that I know, and then you know beyond. So who were your bands um, that you were friendly with, uh, both like coming to play in Philadelphia and then, you know, playing in different cities on the tour, you know, th- through the, I guess, the 90s? Um, well, I mean, we, we we definitely, since it was, I mean, Fracture and Franklin, like, we were incredibly, like, I mean, we were best friends. Many of the same letters. What's that? And, yes, and, yep, and yep, right, 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 very close to each other in the, on your record shelves, I'm sure. Yes. Um... Uh, so, I mean, we, it was, because it was sort of like a big group, um, I'm trying to think like, uh, I don't, I, for some reason it's a little bit, I guess as I traveled more like doing Adam and his package stuff and because it was just me, it probably felt a little bit, um, like I feel like those, those relationships are, that I made while touring are sort of easier to remember because and I wonder if it's because like when you travel with 10 people like you kind of you're kind of your self-contained group like you definitely make those connections but um I don't know if we we made like huge groups of friends and I'm I'm trying to think I don't know there were definitely some bands that I didn't like that we had but um what what bands might they be um I remember really not liking the Swing Kids. They were uh, 
they, I mean, again, it's like, you know, like the things that you think are the most important things in the world as like an 18 year old. And now I'm like, what? Who would care about that? Like, um, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Maybe we didn't make any friends. Okay. <laughs> we can move into the package now. So, so where does the idea of doing this, this Adam and his package thing come from? Uh, you were in frac- uh, Fracture uh-huh. at the time, right? Uh, where is this? What's the origin? So I'm, so I guess Fracture, we broke up in, after our tour in 1995 um, with Franklin that we did in the summer. Our singer Chris moved to Washington State with his girlfriend at the time, uh, got married um and so we we broke up and um i think that it's still at that time like i had i loved music and still love music although now i feel like more of a fan rather than anyone who wants feels like i had anything to contribute or make um and uh so i i, I started playing with some friends i by that time i think i um yeah, should I keep talking? Okay, so I had moved back to Philadelphia after I graduated school, and um, I I don't know if I'm supposed to talk or hi, both. So um, uh, so I had moved. I had moved back to Philadelphia, um, and. Um, had played with some people. I, I played in a band with Mark Scott, where he played bass, and we played with a couple other friends. But like, it, it just like wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, and a friend of Mark's, uh, his name's Andrew Dick. Like he had, uh, he had written a bunch of songs on a, on a music sequencer, which is kind of like a, it's kind of like a synthesizer and a drum machine, sort of integrated with a multi-track recording thing mm-hmm. where so you can over you can choose to play the drums on the mini keyboard on it and then you could overdub like the synth bass 4 sound on it yeah. and you could kind of keep layering stuff so you, it was kind of like a multi-track recording studio for just the synthesizer part um so he had written a song or, or some songs on uh it, this friend of mark's and um it you know and i was just like oh that is such an awesome thing like you know because i really wanted to play music i really liked to write songs but i had no like it just wasn't working playing with other people i didn't have anyone else in mind so i bought one of these off the the friend of mark's um and you know just started like goofing around and writing songs and just overdubbing the vocals on a four track or going over to mark's house and recording songs and i just you know it was really like did you did you get a good feel for it straight away? Like you know, was it very odd to work with with the uh, you know the machine like that? Or did no, it was it? it was. I mean, you know, there's a learning curve, but once you figured it out, like I mean, I, I feel like you know, as a as a as I don't I don't feel I don't think of myself as sort of like a passive music fan. That it's just like so I feel like I really listen and listen to how um, stuff I like is sort of really constructed. So so it it didn't. So no, it, I mean, I, it just, it was just a different sort of medium, but it still felt like I was just writing songs. It's, it's sort of just, yeah, so it just felt like you're just writing songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so essentially, like, Franklin was still active at that point, and um, 
I think at this point, like, you know, I had set up, you know, when they would play shows in Philadelphia, like, I would basically just, like, plug the sequencer in and basically, like, I'd plug it into a bass amp and sing along, because at that point, like, I didn't even know what a PA, like, what the difference was between a PA and a bass amp, and so I would, like, just plug it into the bass amp and just, like, sing, and it was just, like, it was fun, because, like, you know, I'd write songs for my friends, like, about them, or, um, you know, or it gave me, like, an opportunity to just, like, be obnoxious and yell, which is probably something that I, I guess I enjoyed at that time. Um, so none of the songs that kind of you came to be known for were a part of this. No, 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 they were. Like, I, I think, like, um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm not that, I, I don't know what songs, like, okay. I'm known for, but, like, they're, but, yeah, these were songs that ended up on, like, the first CD that I that I did, but, um, but yeah, but, like, there, you know, like, there was, like, a cover of the Misfits song that, like, that... You know, I love, but like, it was still just, it was just like, it was really fun and it was really easy to do. And at that time, like, I had a ton of time to do it. And I remembered, like, at that point, and this is also kind of interesting to see, like, as I got older, like, at that point, like, with my free time, I would love to just sit and play and listen to me, like, try and write songs on the sequencer and, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's that I don't have the patience or the drive for I that mean, at I just this don't point. have the free time anymore. Yeah, but it's not that, like, even when I do it, like, I just, I'm not moved to do it, and I, I don't feel moved to write songs, and I don't feel, I just, I mean, every once in a while I'll play around the guitar, and it's fun, and, um, but yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't know, it's, but, like, then it was just, like, that's what I wanted to do with my free time, so, um, yeah, so I just started playing, and I would play some shows before, or play, not shows, like, I would just, before Franklin would play, I would just play a song or something were you billing yourself as adam in his package or was it just here's, here's adam he's gonna do i don't think so. yeah, yeah i think it was just like that and i think that like you know we would just joke around and call it the package and it was you know it's a horrible joke but i that at least i can feel like i feel like i have paid for the consequences of the stupid 45 second <laughs> thought of decision i, I, I think um, it's actually rather rather clever <laughs> well thank you joseph um <laughs> But maybe that I, doesn't say anything that great about me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, I, I think I had to think of something when I made like the demo cassette thing. Um, so is that the, the point where it, it, it's actually you know a thing? Yeah, I think that that was when it was a thing. When I was like, oh, I have like six songs. I was like, this is fun. And then I booked a show for or booked a tour um, for Franklin and Goodbye Blue Monday, who was another sort of like friends of band, um, and I wanted to go along because. For all the reasons before, like I had finished, um, I guess I had finished graduate school because uh, I went back to graduate school to get certified to teach high school stuff. So how old were you about at this time? Um, I guess it was nineteen ninety six. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety six, um, and um, yeah, and I also worked at like a coffee roasting place, like which was really great and it smelled very good and got nice coffee all the time um but i i had booked this tour for them and i was going to tag along and i think like before a couple shows like i would just like play and do the thing and just you know run around and yelp and uh um and i remember that there was there were some shows where it seemed to be i don't know people liked it and were sort of into it mm -hmm. um Wait, maybe I'm thinking of this in the wrong. I think that I, yeah, I, 
I think I did that before I went to graduate school, maybe? Ah, who cares? So, whatever. Um, so I, I, so I did that, and I remember there was a show in, like, Little Rock where people actually, like, liked it and thought it was fun and, mm-hmm. like, cool, and, um, and I was like, oh, that's, so there were times when it was fun, and also when people hated it, like, that was fun, too, because, like, who cares? It didn't matter. Like, it wasn't for anything, and it was just funny, and we would laugh about it if it, um, you know, if it was, you know, confrontational and annoying. Um, So, at some point, I did finish uh, my student teaching and stuff, and I, it was, I was, I didn't have a great student teaching experience and the whole, I was not ready to teach um, after that experience. And I remember like just, I booked a tour for, for Adam, for me, for Adam's package, I just went by myself and borrowed my mom's car. And um, I don't know, I guess I had had enough, like people, it worked enough so that I kind of like it. What did you have out at that point when you went on that, that, for a solo tour. I'm going to think that I might have had the second... No. I had the first CD out. Um, and then what label was that on? That was on Bloodlink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm sure you're getting residuals on that to this day. <laughs> I'm sure that they continue <laughs> to sell like hotcakes. Um, uh so I think like the the first CD came out in like '96, and the second one came out shortly after because I had had a reservoir of songs because I had spent a lot of time just like sitting in the apartment like making songs. Um, and the second CD came out on Mountain, where I sort of became friendly with my friend Chris Jensen, who um, who had run like a collective. Uh, you know, he had done shows on Long Island for a long time, played in a bunch of bands like. Half Man, and um, he had sort of done this record label that was like a collectively run thing. Um, and they put out the second sort of CD, and I think by that point, like, I was like touring and it was fun and somehow working, and I guess just sort of like financially, like, it's way easier to survive if it's just one person who needs gas money and food money and stuff. So I kind of just, like, kept doing it. Like, I would come home for a little bit, I would book more shows or another little tour, and then I would just kind of... just kind of snowballed. And just it was ultimately your job, right? Yeah. For, for, for several years. For, right? like, six six or seven years, yeah. yeah. And, I, I mean, it just went like that, that I would go on tour for two months, home, be home for three weeks, on tour for another couple months, like, home for a couple weeks, and... Um, yeah, and it kept. It seemed to me like I went on the two part, at least parts of two tours uh-huh. with you, and it seemed like between the one and the other that your gigs like uh, had grown exponentially. You were getting like more college shows, which were certainly yeah more lucrative, you know, and less of like you know somebody's house show or something right. like that. Uh, although so. I mean, like although the, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, not not necessarily to the exclusion of, but it seemed right. like as it went along, you were getting like more prominent gigs that you could yeah. probably make you know a few decent bucks. Yeah. Out of. I think so, but I also think that I had no idea sort of, like, how much money is supposed to work with that stuff. Like, I mean, up until the last, I think, maybe year of my doing it, like, I booked all the shows and, like, didn't, you know, just didn't know how much money. So, you know, it was all just, like, 
you know, I don't know. Okay, cool. The show, great. How much money? Oh, I get that paid. Okay, like I, what do I? Know? I don't know anything about that. So, um, so yeah, but the but yeah, I guess people, some people liked it, and definitely way more than I would have thought would have liked it, and I, you know, appreciate that. And um, I think that what was what was really appealing, at least for me, and I imagine for a lot of other people, was that the the songs were very funny. But th- there was also, uh, you know, an underlying meaning to a lot of the songs. You managed mm-hmm. to kind of convey a message which was generally pretty positive and exclu- inclusive um, without being kind of finger-pointy and preachy. Mm-hmm. So th- so I think that was kind of a, it's a delicate balance to be able to do that. And I think that that's something you achieve really well. Oh, well, thank you. I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I, I guess I don't feel like it was that anything about it was like particularly well thought out. Not to say that I didn't work a ton on whether it was like, I mean, I feel like as I went along, well, maybe told that like the, the songs got better. Um, but that, and that whether it was the recording process, like that, that, that stuff I spent a lot of time on doing that and concentrating on that. So that, that felt, um, That felt like that was sort of like well thought out and well sort of planned. But I guess like the songs, you know, whether like the content of it, that essentially I was writing songs about stuff I was thinking about. And even though it sounds like goofy and, you know, like there's a song about the metric system and how like awesome it is and how dumb we are for not using it. Like that, that's, I mean, it sounds stupid, but that's, that's like a real sort of thing. No, like, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's clearly not a joke band. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're addressing subjects, uh, and yeah, you know, it's a metric system. But like, I think that that actually probably planted the seed in a lot of people's heads who probably never really thought about that before. I, you know? I believe it will, it will, it will. <laughs> it will, it will certainly we're change. about to flip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of those kids are now fifteen uh-huh. years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they'll be voting in just three months. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I, but yeah, I mean, like they, they're. They're nothing if not sincere. It's stuff that I thought about, and I mean, you had a, you had a, I think uh, at least through my perception, a very young audience, uh, probably many of whom felt probably as outcast even within punk. Um, and you're saying something positive. You know, you're you're saying like you're embracing, say, homosexuality. Mm. Uh, and I think that for people who felt like they were the outcast among outcasts, you were in effect sort of their voice. Yeah. I mean that that sounds very nice. I mean I would I, see people you know, come up to you and talk to you when when you would perform uh who you know you're always really nice to and it always seemed like that there was a type of person who really kind of like zeroed in on what you were saying and I think that that kind of helped raise some people's uh, sense of self-worth hey, in a way. Dude, that that I mean that is I mean that is very flattering to hear and that's not I mean hey that's I mean, do you, really do you think nice. that that was part of your experience? I mean, did you, you must have gotten correspondence from people or talked to people who... Possibly yeah, I mean, I don't know. People that, like I said, like people... People people liked it a lot more than I... Like, I feel lucky that... I mean, it, was feel, it feels really nice. Like, you know, and I... And I, I it, yeah, it feels nice. And yeah, like the, when people like it or if it means something to them and uh or it does sort of move them in some way and in a way that's that's positive it is that feels good you know it feels a little awkward because i'm just like i don't know about um 
but uh, but yeah, that feels that feels that's nice. So uh, that, how how articulate is that? How, that's a really good adjective. <laughs> nice. So there's a point where there is you decide that there's not going to be a package anymore. Uh, I mean, what were the factors that sort of precipitated the, that decision? Um, so I'd been doing it like a like with a pretty hectic pace for like six or seven years, um, and I mean, I loved it. I feel so lucky that I was able to see all these places that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to see, meet all these really really wonderful people. Like, you know, there are friends that I have through music, yourself included, that like. I, you know, without music, I mean, granted, I met you before Adam's Pack and stuff, but, like, there were connections that I made, like, friends who I have that I would not have been able to meet. They're being able to see the world as, like, uh, not the world, but, like, seeing lots, there's something really cool about going to see, say, a city and not necessarily seeing, like, the touristy stuff, and not to say that that stuff isn't, uh, neat or valuable in its own way um but being able to like see a city you know with someone who's kind of like a peer of yours who's into the same type of stuff Mm -hmm. and seeing it through them like not seeing the touristy stuff but seeing the cool record shop where they hang out or the place that they like to go and get cheap you know you know vegan chinese food or whatever like um yeah crap you would never know otherwise and then there's like a brief moment um, where you kind of move in with the rhythm of their life, like you kind of see how how it is that these people live, even totally. though you're kind of just like popping in. And right? Popping out, yeah, exactly. And how? And how like, yeah, how yeah. you wouldn't be able to construct that easily if you wanted to, you know? And um, and I don't mean you. One, One. would not be <laughs> yeah. able to. Um, I'm sure you could do it. Um, so, but like <laughs> the so, um, but. So at the same time, like, as much as I loved it and, you know, like, it's a lot of stuff to do. It was a lot of traveling. Like, I, I have a very, very close, like, family. My, my, the generation above my parents are, were a really, really amazing group of people who I was incredibly close with. And, you know, just as being away for, like, six or seven months out of the year, like... Yeah, imagine you miss getting stuff. older. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, right. and you miss, like, being around with your friend and, like, you know, missing every sort of, like, significant thing that happened in that. You know, that was hard. But also, I, I think that there were a couple different things. Like, there was, there was that. There was also the fact, like, where I felt like... That there were times where I felt like I was going through the motions. That I had heard the songs and played them so many times, and like I'm, it, like, with even the introduction, because like sort of like talking about what the song was about felt like it was something that made sense to do at the shows, since essentially it was like karaoke, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, that felt like that was an important part of it. That, like, that felt like canned because it was like I have talked about this. Song. The shopping spree yeah. story. The song is still the same song. Like, there, I, there, I have nothing else to add to it except for something that I've said 400 times before. And, you know, like, it, it got to the point where I was like, this just feels, it doesn't feel genuine anymore. Like, it just felt like, um, it felt rehearsed when, when it's just, it, it just didn't feel right. Like, it just, it didn't feel, um, yeah, it just felt kind of like, like, that it had enough. So between that, 
just being probably ready to not travel. Um, and I'd also gotten diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, like, a week before, like, a six-week European tour and, like, not having any idea how to manage that or anything about it, like... Did you go on the tour? I did, yeah, and... Did you die? I did. Okay. Before um, <laughs> you resurrected. I was. <laughs> All of these things. Um, but, I like, I mean, in it was... The, my friend who set up the tour was so nice and accommodating. I remember, like, having no clue how to deal with it. Um, I mean, in retrospect, I'm very happy I went because I think it was sort of empowering to me to feel like, oh, yeah, I can do it. I can do stuff. Like, but for some reason, like, I thought that, I thought that, but it's, I like had no idea what the disease was and like how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So I had like all these like bizarre requests to my friend that I thought would be helpful that were like, I think I need to eat, have peanuts or like. Oh, I, I definitely need pretzels just in case my blood sugar goes low, but it doesn't, it can't have sugar in it. When Were you in consulting fact, like, the internet for this? I, I don't, right. what makes no sense, because yeah. my dad is an endocrinologist who... Oh, he couldn't just tell you, like, eat something sugary? No, he could, but I, just, I think that I just couldn't get my head around, like, what was happening. Like, so he'd be like, yeah, just eat some pretzels if you have low blood sugar. But then, like, I was like, oh, wait, but you don't want sugar because I'm diabetic, so I needed to find pretzels that didn't have sugar on it, which is Zucker in German. Um, and, like, just all this stuff where it's just like, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, definitely almost killed myself by taking too much insulin in, uh, where was it? Um, I think it was in Lyon, France. Like, in a squat, woke up at, like, 3 o'clock well, That sounds about morning. right. You know, yeah. <laughs> NATO's taking out of your Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so um, remember waking up and, like, when you have low blood sugar, it feels really lousy. Like, I was, like, pouring with sweat, like, totally, like, shaky, and was, like, trying to find the candy in the bag of this place where there, I had no idea where the lights was. And, like, just, just stuff like that. So I'm glad in retrospect. But, yeah, like, and also, like, you need health insurance. Like, if, if you're going to have, like, a chronic disease where you have to do stuff and obtain things that you know treat the disease so yeah. like and you got pregnant at some point right and yes and my wife so this was all like a week <laughs> where i was just yeah. like when i was just like on, on that turn, i was just like yeah oh, that's enough <laughs> so um but it actually the timing was worked out well like i said like it felt like this is right to stop like i, I didn't like I still liked writing songs, I think, at that point, but, like, it definitely, it was a different thing when it goes from something that's, like, I love to do this thing to, like, okay, I'm supposed to do this thing. And, like, even though I liked it, and, like, it was still great to try, I don't know. It, it was time to stop. So you teach now. Yes. Did you know that, I mean, you'd already gotten the certificate and all that. Did you know that that was going to be the step that you were going to take after Adam and his package? Yeah, I mean, I think that I had, yes, um, but not in a way that, like, not in a way that I'm like, oh, this is my calling to reach the children. I believe they're our future, Joseph. Um, but um, you must have had at least some sort of comfort, you know, like, you're, yes. you're, you're, you're communicating with young people for, since you're a young person, until you're slightly, slightly not as young. Yeah. Person, you know. I don't know, you know what, I, I, I don't know how much I think about stuff. Like, I think about some things a lot, too much, but then, like, I don't, I'd never, I'd never, until right now, like, sort of even thought about that, that it's like, oh, yeah, I guess it kind of is that. Like, 
to me, it felt like when I graduated from college, I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I, I knew I was good and liked science, but I definitely knew from working in a lab that I didn't like actually doing the science. I just liked learning and talking and understanding science. And that, mm-hmm. um, so, and then I was like, oh, I guess teaching is good. So, but then, you know, now that I've done it, like, I, I feel very happy doing it. Um, but it, it, it was something to fall back on. Like, I mean, I knew that it was something I could do after I was done music or if music stuff didn't work out, which music was stuff that I really wanted to do at that point. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. I like, I like teaching. I love teaching science. I feel like it, I, I feel like teaching is, uh, is kind of a cool thing to do because it, it it's kind of a double-edged sword in that, like, I feel like you never do it perfectly, but then at the same time, like, it's something you can always sort of do better, and you, each year you get the sort of the chance to do it better. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that that's cool. And I also do like that age group a lot. Which like, is what? I teach, like, um, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And I feel like, and, and granted, like, you know, if you had told me when I was in high school that I would voluntarily be in a high school... Like that would have, would have just been it's like, like saying voluntarily like going back to prison, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I would never. That wouldn't have made any sense to me. But like, you know, as an adult, I first off, like, I don't know how much of it is that I'm just totally oblivious to what kids are doing socially, but like, or maybe it's just that I am in a really, really comfortable place, like with kids that I feel like I can connect to and that I um, get. But like, they seem by and large like they're pretty nice to each other and granted that might be because i'm adult teacher in the room and interacting with them um so but so so you know i guess like as an adult like it's and i don't know i genuinely really really like almost all of the kids that i've taught and and i feel like that that age group like they're energetic and they're funny and they're old enough that they have like a a good sarcasm detector and a good sarcasm generator. And I, I don't know. I guess there's something about that I enjoy. And in addition, I do think that, like, science can be really, really cool. And I do feel like it is, there's, I mean, and again, like, not that, like, I I don't feel like I am changing the, I, ugh, I don't even, I mean, but I, I feel like it is important to to try and equip kids to become scientifically literate, and I, and I do feel like that. That's because it, it, it vanquishes ignorance. Uh, yeah, and I, if, if you do it, I think if you do it effectively, then that kind of makes for a smarter person who is less likely to believe the really stupid things in the pseudoscience. Yeah, that is sometimes given like equal balance right. in, mm-hmm. in media. Um, yeah, it, it I seems agree. To me like if you're an effective teacher. Which I, I imagine that you are. Oh, I am probably... so good. The <laughs> no, end I... of each class, everyone is weeping, <laughs> and because of what they've <laughs> learned, it's <laughs> amazing. Uh, but no, I, I believe that you probably relate to the students really well, and that they probably relate to you quite well. And I think that if, if you are an effective teacher, I mean, let's just say you are. Okay. But, but um, that then you you get the opportunity to, to plant the seed, whereas if you were a really shitty teacher who didn't care, I mean, at least we could say it seems like you care. Like you really genuinely feel it yeah and i think that probably comes through and there's probably a better chance maybe that the seeds get planted of real science and uh you know an an analytical mind rather than an accepting 
mind. Yeah, I hope so. It's hard to know. You know, it's hard to know. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's yeah, hard. I, mean, to know. I guess I, you find out in, in you know ten, fifteen, twenty years where yeah. someone comes back and says, "Oh, you were my favorite teacher. You, or you inspired me to do this. <laughs> like become a heroin addict." <laughs> Or a mime or something. I realized it was going to be totally worthless. So <laughs> I just decided to give up and just watch TV. Yeah. And then you could just take that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, what was I going to say about that? Er, well, anyways, um, all these years later now, uh, how, how do you feel kind of in, in summation? Um, or actually, no, here's the thing I wanted to ask, and then I'll get to that. Yeah. The, sorry. So, do your kids ever know what you used to do you know they look you up on the internet students and, yeah, yeah and see that like you were a goofball i mean you're probably still a bit of a goofball they, yeah yeah but like they know some of them definitely i mean like um i mean i always feel like every october when there's a fresh crop of kids, it feels like there's a time in october where like it always comes up again like where it's like the kids have had enough time or someone's told them and they said it's like, like oh mr corn that meatball song you yeah yeah and i guess i guess like the thing with that like is, I mean, first off, any sort of, like, street cred or anything that that could possibly, like, lend to it, it wears off very quickly when it's just like, yeah, 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 okay, but we, this is what we're doing, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, right, exactly. And, um, so there's that, and then, you know, I'm, always, I'm up for talking music with folks, um, but also, I guess the thing that that's kind of reassuring to me is like that I feel like it it was you know the the stuff like whether it was the songs or whether it was stuff I did like there was sort of like a sincerity behind it and I feel like it wasn't malicious and it wasn't like it's it's not like like I it's not like I feel like I mean there's stuff that that is I guess a little embarrassing like if I 10th grader comes up to me and they're like, you know, asking me about a song that's stupid or like a choice of words that at some point was dumb. Like, you know, it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable at times to have that sort of like out for anyone to see if they feel like it. Yeah, but likewise, it's not like a song where you're like, Slapping a bitch in the face with your wang, like totally. there's nothing that's like you know odious. Yeah, that's part right. Of your no, oeuvre. exactly. And like, granted, yeah, exactly. Like, there's stuff that's like embarrassing that I'm like, oh, I wish I could take that back. That's kind of dumb. But like, but right, like, there's nothing that I feel like is hateful or like totally, you know, jerky. No, no like, screwdriver cover. So. <laughs> no, those are those are those are uh, the seasides. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, I, it's, yeah, like I said, like, it's nothing, like, I, like even the songs, I don't know, that there's songs that, like, I feel like, you know, I can stand behind, like, and that they're goofy songs, but, like, nothing, that, there's nothing that's, like, I would think that anyone would be like, oh, that hurts my feelings. No, I don't think there was so, anything like that at all. I think these things were largely very positive yeah. and inclusive and kind of, you know, in a way, sort of empowering a oh. lot of them, um, which I think is a good thing for young people to hear. Probably yeah. why people still like these things. Oh, because... people love Adam and his package. <laughs> well, your residuals is sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess in conclusion, uh, how do you feel the the DIY ethos that you um, you know were, were a part of so much when you were younger? Uh, do you feel that it still moves through you today? Um, I don't know. I guess there are a couple ways to. I mean, 
I guess like when I th- when I think of sort of like the day to day stuff, like I don't know if there's that much stuff that I do that's different from most adults sort of my age sort of like if you were to kind of like look at it um sort of each day you know i go to work i hang out with my family i like you know um you know i still buy records of music and um but then at the same time like you know that that those experiences that really informed sort of like how I think about things, and I still find an incredible importance of, or at least I'd, I'd like to think that I treat people with respect who deserve respect. And you know, this is probably more wishful thinking than, but that you know that that sort of like the DIY ethos kind of meant that like people who didn't deserve respect, like you didn't have to really deal with them or and and that's you know that's that's yeah now that i think about that in context that's definitely not probably how i live you know sort of like much like i mean but i think that i i i don't know i mean maybe the the sort of importance of i don't know i don't know i i mean maybe i would have i i think i'm probably better at being good to people and um yeah like treating people with respect and like and and genuinely so than i would have been but i don't know i mean i can't say that i don't know what i i don't know what i'm doing that's particularly diy at this point i mean like i i still love being with my friends and i yeah i still play some music every now and again but that's, I feel like the thing that's motivating that is, is is not a collective sort of like community, but more just like, oh, that's an excuse to be with my friends mm-hmm. and to do something, and that's fun, and I like it. But yeah. I also spend more time playing like foot hockey, you know, on Sundays than doing anything like DIY and productive. So it doesn't feel like, I don't know if it feels like I do anything that good. You know, that that's... I don't know. What what do you think are, like, the good things about DIY? Like, those those sort of components... Like, it definitely informs me, and, like, it informs that, like, the person who I guess I try and be, and I, I still... I guess I still feel like those are ideals that are important and that are worth sort of aspiring to. I think to. it can give some people, like, a certain open-mindedness sometime. Um, I think when you move through through the kind of periphery of the world like that... And you encounter people who are, you know, very much on the edge of things. Um, maybe you learn to be a little more accepting of those people, or, or more willing mm-hmm. to listen to them because you know that they have something to offer. Whereas if you move kind of a straight course right. in life, you know, a kind of avoiding all of these people, you don't really pay attention to those kind of fringe yeah. voices and, and kind of give them any kind of value. Right? No, 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 no. Yeah, that puts it much more. Yeah, so I'm not no, 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 so no. Uh, but that that puts it that makes it much more. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry if my answer is like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's hard for me to feel as a person. Like, I don't, I don't think I do anything. I, you know, I try and be nice to people. I try and, uh, be good to the people that I care about and try and make things good for them and try and 
enjoy their company. And so, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess if I talk about sort of, like, it's hard for me to sort of like talk about like the DIY community because I don't know how, how much do I intersect with that. Well, I intersect with like the friends who I who I guess share a lot of those sort of like uh, ideals and thoughts, but. Um, I guess it feels it feels weird to comment on like DIY stuff. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what I don't know. Let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. In in your high school, you're probably seeing young people who are discovering the joys of punk rock yeah. in 2013, which is mm-hmm. practically 40 years on yeah. from this thing, you know, the start of this thing. Uh, so does it seem uh, peculiar to you or do you understand what kind of perennially draws young people back into this rather, you know, aged uh, youth subculture. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I get it for, cert- for certain kids, like, what, what the allure of that is. And I imagine, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's not the same as... And I don't mean that in a way like, oh, it's not like it was back then. Because I really have no idea. Like, um... You know, clearly there are still tons of avenues for whatever, I guess, you would call DIY sort of thoughtful, niceness, activeness of doing things. Um, And so I totally see why that would be alluring to any kid who has a similar sort of thoughtfulness, smartness, but still... Irritable, you know, right. being grouchy, maybe. But so, like, I can totally see what, and you know, and there's a part of me that's like, right on, that's awesome. Um, but then at the same time, like, being so removed from, it, like, I'm not entirely sure what that landscape is these days. So, like, I mean, I, I definitely feel like I, I sort of saw a, um, you know, that people became more sort of like businessy savvy during sort of a portion of of when I was active with music things that and I and I, it's hard for me to know you know where the what I would sort of refer to and I'm sure I know it's out there just because I presume it is and sort of like hear certain things but yeah, and I don't want this to come off because I don't. I don't feel like it's like a oh things were better back in the day. That that's not, you know. I'm, I'm sure that there's good stuff that exists now. Um, yeah, just because you don't know about it, right? Doesn't it, right. I mean, it's not happening, right? And exactly, yeah. and exactly that. Like I'm like I don't know about it, so I I don't know if I if I really can peg the kids that are like into. The good stuff, and how many kids are just like, oh, well, that's a t-shirt, you know, like, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think it's a gift to be able to be a kid and be in that and be, and, and find those things. And I guess like, you know, with, with the internet, like that. I don't know. I don't know if I, I, and I'm sure that there's studies and things, but, and that you could talk about it at length. Like, I don't know how much that facilitates interconnectedness and ease of finding sort of like 
similar types of thing of people who are into that stuff and how much it sort of isolates you by making you just look at a screen forever. So I don't know. That's all another discussion, I guess. Well, super. Uh, it was great to talk to you. Thanks. I hope that was not too rambly, <laughs> and I know it was, and I, I know you were looking for uh, articulate. <laughs> this, and I don't know <laughs> no, if it made sense, it. but any point that was rambling, that was the package. Yeah, on point. Right, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, thank you very much. Yeah, no, thank yeah. you.